0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. So, uh, such a privilege for us to be able to hear from them again, and I hope that you remember them if uh, they were with us last year, and uh, again, because of security purposes, we didn't show that video over broadcast and because of the place that they're serving, uh, but continue to pray for them and uh, if you want more information about what they're doing come see me and we'll talk more specifics I'll I'll do that one-on-one if you'd like more information about what's going on there but God is moving and he's working and so we'll continue to pray and continue to give uh, so that they can stay where they are doing what they're doing I hope one day um, uh, some of us get to go maybe this next year sometime get to go actually and, and spend some time with them on the field and uh, that's a long way from here, uh, but uh, I would love to go, and maybe, maybe some of us can go and do that. I hope that that would be the case. And, you know, and the only way that they can stay where they are, now this isn't a of Moon um, uh, emphasis uh, plea for money or anything like that. You've already done that. But the only way that they can stay where they are doing what they are doing is because they, those two, and uh, so many others, but specifically those two, because they know, they know, they know that God is with them. They know that. There's no way that they could stay where they are, doing what they're doing, so far away from their uh, family, their kids, their grandkids, There's no way they could do that if they did not know that God is with them. And so this morning uh, for the month of December, uh, we're beginning a sermon series today entitled God is with us. And we're going to talk about that, uh, what that means throughout the month of December as we move toward Christmas and beyond Uh, that God is with us. So I invite you to take your Bible this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 1, it's page uh, 807 in the Pew Bible, if you need to use a copy of God's Word from the pew rack in front of you. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. And when you see that passage of scripture, you might wonder, what's this sermon going to be about? (laughs) And you'll understand that here in just a moment uh, when we stand here in just a second. We're going to read this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to read it today. You know, normally I preach from the English Standard Version. Uh, that's what the Pew Bible is, and that's what many of you have. But, but, but today, for this, uh, for this sermon and for the reading of this Scripture, I'm going to read from my Gideon pastor's uh, New Testament that I've had. Uh, For years and years and years, my father-in-law gave me this, uh, uh, but it's a Gideon pastor's New Testament. Do they still give these out? Do they still have these for pastors? It's a great New Testament. King James. So I'm going to read this passage in the King James uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. So would you stand please for the reading of God's Word? The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham... Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, and Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Thamar, and Phares begat Eshram, and Eshram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Naasan, and Naason begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rachab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias, And Solomon begat Reboam, and Reboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa. And Asa begat Josaphat, and Josaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Ozias, And Ozias begat jo- Joatham, and Joatham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias, And Ezekias begat Manassas. And Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias. And Josias begat Je- Jeconias and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel begat Abiud, and Abiad begat Eliakim, and Eli- Eliakim begat Azor. And Azor begat Zadok, and Zadok begat Achim, And Jacob begat Eliod, and Eliod begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Methan, and Methan begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are fourteen generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon and to Christ are 14 generations. And I want to pick up the first part of verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray together. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time to gather around your word, Lord. We pray that you'll bless our time as your Holy Spirit teaches us and reveals truth to us today and then gives us the power and the ability and the wisdom and the courage to apply it to our lives. God bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. So, how many of you, when you read Scripture you tend to skim over those genealogies like I just read. Anybody going to be honest like me and say that we do? Especially, I remember, especially when I was a little kid and reading the King James Version. Because it's hard enough in ESV or NIV, some of the more modern translations, but man, in the King James, uh, it's just difficult. Uh, and, and to just be honest. Let's just be honest. It's okay. We can do that that these sometimes are some of the most boring sections of Scripture. If I can say that, and, you know, maybe that's not the right thing to say about the Bible, but it just gets kind of boring, let's just be honest, to read all of those Names that we have a difficult time, I know I didn't pronounce all of them correctly, uh, that we have a difficult time uh, pronouncing them. We don't know about a whole bunch of those people. We recognize some of the names, but some of them is just like we have no idea who they are. And sometimes we just skip completely over those passages of Scripture. Or if we feel guilty because we're not reading the Bible, we'll just skim through them quickly and just kind of feel like we've at least read the Bible but there are long sections of Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, with these lists like this, with these genealogies, with these lists of name after name, these hard-to-pronounce, obscure names, uh, people that we just may or may not know anything about. In fact, if you went to the first, if you went to the book of First Chronicles, you would, and maybe you've done this, uh, those of us that have been reading through the Bible this year, You go to the book of 1 Chronicles, the first nine, you'd think that was long. The first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles are basically what I just read. Interspersed with a few little stories here and there, but the first nine chapters of the book of 1 Chronicles are just list upon list upon list upon list of these genealogies, of these names, and and, and just these genealogical Listing. So why why include them? Why are what what could these possibly add to our reading of Scripture? What could what could we could possibly preach on when you read all of these names? Well, there there's there's different reasons. There are different reasons for uh, these lists being in Scripture, and for the original readers in biblical times, these these lists had a number of purposes. Uh, these lists determined tax rolls. These lists determined uh, names of people who were eligible for military service, uh, for conscription of men to serve in the military. These lists uh, would help define occupations. You would see the names of of Old Testament priests, particularly in these lists. These lists would show the uh, a royal succession of names for instance in in just a few weeks obviously we'll be looking at Luke chapter 2 and you remember in the good old King James verse of Luke chapter 2 and it came about in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed and you remember it says that they went to Bethlehem because he, uh, because Joseph was of the house and the lineage of David and so you see these royal progressions royal succession, as you look at these verses of scripture and these names and these lists, these lists would also give uh, help them with land ownership issues and inheritance issues. So for the original readers of these lists, they were they were they, they probably had more meaning to them than for you and me, because a casual just a casual reading, which is what most of us do with these lists. A casual reading of this of these biblical genealogies is is practically meaningless to many of, of us today. Um, but we have to be careful, and I, because obviously, just in a very simple understanding of this, obviously. God wanted these lists in his word, right? So they're in there. That's the ultimate answer. The reason they're in the Bible is because God wanted them in the Bible, right? Amen. So God, he wanted them in there. So there's reasons for that. These lists are not there by chance. They're not there by accident. They are there because God wanted them there. And so he inspired the writers of scripture to record them for all of us to see and read no matter how boring we think they are. So, when you look at Matthew chapter 1 and you read through like that, there's some things that we can maybe help us understand why Matthew included this, this list in his gospel. One thing we know about Matthew is that Matthew was a tax collector. So he would have been concerned about lists of names. Again, remember, for tax purposes and things like that. He was probably familiar with lists of names, and he was probably very meticulous in his work as a tax collector to make sure that those listing of names was correct. And so he would, of all the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would think, you would understand, okay, I I can see why Matthew would include this list because this is something that he was familiar with doing and one of the main and you remember that Matthew wrote to uh, you may not know this but if you do just know that Matthew was writing to Jewish people his main audience was to Jewish people so he one of the main reasons that he included this genealogy in his gospel is because He was writing to the Jewish people and he wanted them to see that Jesus did indeed fulfill all of the requirements to be the Messiah. And so that's why he included this. John MacArthur said if Jesus is going to be heralded and proclaimed king, there must be proof that he comes from the recognized royal family. And so that's what Matthew did. He walked through that so that you would see that Jesus came from the line of David, from that royal line. And so that's, where, that's one of the main reasons that Matthew included this genealogy in his gospel. But again, for us today, I believe that there's another, maybe less obvious purpose for the tracing of Jesus' family tree. And that's what we have here. We have Jesus' family tree. I've got an aunt on my mama's side who is serious about our genealogy and our, and our family. And I'm so grateful that she has. And we have it going back for generations and generations. And we're able to see where we came from. Um, and so this family tree is included. And I believe there's another reason for this. Because as you look down... This list of names, and as I read through this list of names, you'll find out, as you look at this family tree, that there were definitely some, some, some knots on the family tree. Some knots on the family tree. You know, we see a knot on a tree. That knot has developed because uh, it, the result of disease that has stricken That tree and the tree and God's amazing creative ability has created trees with the ability to to work on healing themselves. And so when that tree develops a disease or even an insect comes and stings that tree and brings injury to that tree, then the tree itself will heal itself around that affected area. And when that happens, that causes a gall or a knot to develop there where that injured place was. So, so all throughout this listing of names in Matthew chapter 1, in Jesus' family tree, there are people in that list whose lives have been stricken with, the, with a disease, and it's the disease of sin that we've all been stricken with, right? As you read down that list, and there are people whose lives have been stricken with sin. There are people whose lives have been stung by sins and sinful situations, just to name a few. And some of these will probably be the more, some of the more well-known names in that list as you walk through that list again. You saw the name Abraham. Well, we all know who Abraham was, Abraham, Father Abraham. We know who Abraham was, but Abraham was a liar. And so was his son Isaac. He was a liar. Can you identify with that with that? Yes. You see Jacob, oh, we know who Jacob was, but Jacob was a schemer. He was a cheater. We, we see the name Tamar. Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute. This is in the family tree of Jesus. A woman who disguised herself as a prostitute and committed incest. You see the name Rahab. Rahab herself was a prostitute. She didn't disguise herself as a prostitute. She was a prostitute. And she was a Canaanite. And the Canaanites were arch enemies of the people of God. You see the name Ruth. Now, wait a minute, John, don't pick on Ruth. Well, that's such a sweet, sweet love story in the Old Testament. Ruth was from the Moabite people. And the Moabite people were a tribe of people who were produced as the product of incest. Her whole family group, her whole tribe of people came about as a result of incest. David, we all know David's story. David, King David, the man after God's own heart, was an adulterer, a lustful adulterer, and a murderer. Another name Solomon, David's son. Solomon, with all that great wisdom, writing books of the Old Testament, a man who had 700 wives and 300 concubines who met his every need. And as a result of that and the immorality that he allowed to come into his life, those wives, those foreign wives and those foreign concubines led him off into idolatry and he ended his life to his life ended with him far, far away from the Lord. And then you see the name Manasseh, maybe not quite as familiar to, his, to you as some of those others, but Manasseh was a wicked king in the Old Testament who built altars to the god baal and burned up his own sons as a sacrifice to the false god baal these are the people who are in the family tree of jesus and so it's shocking sometimes to see that the family of the family tree of jesus is filled with such sinners but that's exactly the point Because the deeds of these people on this list are not on display. God's grace is on display when you look at those lists. Man, there's ugliness in the lives of every imperfect person on that list. And yet God used them to bring his perfect son into the world. And God was with them. God was working in them, sometimes working in spite of them to bring about his perfect plan for our salvation. Man, what a story of grace. What a story of mercy. What a story of the transformative power of God and the amazing love of God. Because if he was with them, then we can be assured today that he is with us. Amen? So the application for this message today is this, the God has been with us in generations past, and he will be with us now and in generations to come. He has been with us in generations past, God is with us now, even now, and we can believe and rest assured that God will be with us in generations to come. So let's talk about this. I want to be very clear about something. We are in no way celebrating or condoning the sins that all those folks in that list committed. Another thing we're not saying, we're not, we're not saying that a believer can just live any way they want to live and expect that God will bless them. That's the danger of thinking about that. Well, man, if God blessed all those folks, I, mean, I can do what I want. He's still going to bless me. Let me tell you something. There were terrible, terrible consequences for the sins that those people committed. Just as there will always be consequences for the sins that you and I commit. So understand that we're not condoning, we're not celebrating, and we're not saying that God's grace will cover all your sins, so just live any way that you want to live. Man, God help us if that's our attitude. We're a long way from the Lord if that's what we begin to think. The point is, here's the point. That no matter how far you've strayed from God, listen to me, somebody needs to hear this today, that no matter how far you have strayed from God, he is not through with you yet. Amen? He's not through with you yet. He is still with you, even if you're far away from him. So let's talk about what it means that God is with us. First of all, God is with us through every situation. He is with us through every situation. Every one of us in this room, every one of us, will find ourselves in troubling, difficult situations. If, if we were just honest, if we could ever get this honest into church and just say, right now, stand up and tell us what's troubling you right now. We'd be here the rest of the day. Starting with the guy behind the pulpit to everybody in this room, be able to stand and say, This is where I am. This is where my struggle is. This is where my trouble is. And we need to know that God is with us through every situation. Now, listen, sometimes those situations may be due to our own sinful actions. Even as we see in that list of people, they, they, there was some stuff that came into their lives because of their sin. The, the situations may be to the sinful actions of somebody else the consequences of somebody else somebody else's sin sometimes it's our own sin because we find ourselves many times we give into temptation we give into sin and we bring hard situations into our lives and into the lives of others the consequences of our sin never end with just us So those situations are sometimes because we have given in to temptation and sin. Sometimes it's because of others. Sometimes we have children who rebel and turn away from God and live in sin, and they bring hard situations into their parents' lives, into their family's lives. Some of you could give testimony to that. You're there right now. So in all of these situations, we need to know that God is with us. And He is with us, and even in those sinful times, He is with us through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that right now, this very moment, I pray that right now, if you're sitting in this room today, and you have found yourself in a sinful situation that you have given into, that right now, this moment, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will overwhelm you, and you'll come running back to God today. Think about what David said. He's in the list. He's in the family tree, probably the most famous one in the family tree other than Jesus. And you think about what David said in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5, and this is after he had committed his dreadful sin with Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah, her husband. And David said this in Psalm 32, he said, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. He went on to say, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, Lord, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. I pray that the disciplining hand of God is heavy upon you right now. If you're in sin right now, that God's disciplining hand will be heavy upon you. And David went on to say, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, and maybe for you today, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Listen, God is with you. In every situation, even if that situation is caused by your own sin, even the prodigal son, when he had rebelled against his father and left him to go live a raucous life of sin and immorality, his father still loved him. His father still waited for him and watched for him to come home. So even in that way, his father was still with him, a picture of the love of God. So God is with us. In every situation. And he is with us in all our struggles. Secondly, in all of our struggles, God is with us. I Man, it goes without saying that the people in the family tree of Jesus had their fair share of troubles. I mean, if we did take the time, and it would probably be a good thing to do, take the time and go and do some research on everybody in that tree, you would find that they faced enemies, they fought battles, they dealt with massive family struggles, they had governmental leaders who were coming after them, there were moments when their faith was tested to the limits, they experienced sickness and disease and heartache and grief and loneliness and despair and depression and loss, so listen, my friend, whatever struggle you are facing or have faced i can guarantee you there's somebody on that family tree who faced it too and so god is with us in all of our struggles so what is your struggle today what is your struggle today if you're taking notes right now if you're a person who writes notes and then takes notes on a sermon i want you right now to write down what just came to your mind what just came to your mind What is your greatest struggle? Now, if you're not taking notes, that's all right. But what's in your mind right now? What is your greatest struggle right now? Write it down if you're taking notes. Write it down. Whatever that thing just came to your mind, you write it down. If you're not writing down, then what's in your mind right now? Your greatest struggle. So whatever you wrote down or whatever is on the forefront of your mind right now, I want to tell you this. Know this. God is with you in that struggle. He is with you in that. Whatever you wrote down, I don't care what you wrote down. I don't care how horrible it is, how bad it is, how life altering it is. God is with you in that struggle right now. And depending on the depth and the severity of your struggle, that one sentence that God is with you may be your lifeline. It may be the thread of hope that you need to be able to take, that you need in order to be able to take another step. Just knowing God is with me. Oh, God is with me. It may be the nugget of truth that you need so you can hold on another day. It may be the seed of faith that you need that's going to give you just a little bit more confidence to make it one more day in the midst of that struggle. I'll tell you something. A lot of times on Wednesday nights, I sure wish I would come to church on Wednesday night and come to our midweek refresh service. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And many times on Wednesday nights in Refresh, we will pray through a psalm. We get real personal on Wednesday nights. And we'll pray through a psalm. And this past Wednesday night, we prayed through the first part of Psalm 30. And verse 5, the last verse that we prayed and proclaimed in Psalm 30, verse 5, that says this, Weeping may endure for the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. So let me tell you something, my friend. My friend the joy will come the joy will come why because god is with you and he is a god of joy whatever your struggle when you're weeping he is with you when you're stressing he is with you when you're hurting he is with you when you're struggling he is with you in every situation in all of our struggles He is with us. And finally, He is with us when we're strong. Let's kind of go the opposite end. There are times when we're strong. There are times when we are living for the Lord. There are times when we are living in the strength of the Lord. And so we need to remember in those times when we're strong, we need to remember that in those times we are only strong because our strength comes from God. Don't you ever start thinking you're strong in your own strength. We're strong because our strength comes from Him. It comes from God. So give Him the glory for that. Give Him praise for that. Give Him thanks for that strength when you are strong. Old Testament says it this way. Jot these verses down. Exodus chapter 15 verse 2. Exodus 15 verse 2 says, The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation where's your strength come from the lord is my strength jot down joshua 1 9 you know this verse where god said to joshua have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened do not be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go jot down Isaiah 40 29 it very clearly says to us that God he gives strength to the weary anybody weary in here today he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak that's Old Testament New Testament Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 Paul said be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power not your power not my power not the church's power be strong in the lord and in the strength of his power paul said in philippians 4:13 i can do all things through christ who gives me strength christ gives me strength so he's with me because he's given me the strength to carry on and then one more first peter chapter 5 verse 10 it says, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So God is with us, man. He is with us. He is with us through every situation he is with us in all of our struggles and he is with us when we are strong because the only way we're strong is that he is making us strong he is with us let me conclude with this story there was a drunk named joe who was miraculously converted at a bowery mission prior to his conversion joe had gained the reputation of being a dirty wino for whom there was no hope Only a miserable existence in the ghetto. But following his conversion to a new life with God, everything changed. Joe became the most caring person that anyone associated with the mission had ever known. Joe spent his days and nights hanging out at the mission doing whatever needed to be done. There was never any task that was too lowly for Joe to take on. There was never anything that he was asked to do that he considered beneath him. Whether it was cleaning up the vomit left by some violently sick alcoholic or scrubbing the toilets after careless men left the bathroom filthy, Joe Joe did what was asked with a soft smile on his face and with a seeming gratitude for a chance to help. He could be counted on to feed feeble men who had wandered into the mission off the street and to undress and tuck into bed men who were too out of it to take care of themselves. One evening when the director of the mission was delivering his evening evangelistic message to the usual crowd of still and sullen men with drooped heads... There was one man who looked up, came down the aisle to the altar and knelt to pray, crying out to God to help him to change. The repentant drunk kept shouting, Oh God, make me like Joe! Make me like Joe! Make me like Joe! Make me like Joe! The director of the mission leaned over and said to the man, Son, I think it would be better if you prayed, Make me like Jesus. The man looked up at the director with a quizzical expression on his face and asked, Is he like Joe? Let me tell you something. When you know that God is with you in every situation, when you know that he is with you in all of your struggles, when you know that he is in, with you in your times of strength, then the one whose name, Emmanuel, which means God is with us, will change your life forever. He will change your life forever. forever, And others will then see Him shining through your life because He is with us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, will you help us today, Lord? to respond in obedience to you because you are with us right now, Lord. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that you are with us. And so, Father, we need you today and we ask you today to move in this place to change lives forever. God, if there's somebody here today that needs to give their lives to you, God, if there's somebody here today that's been in sin and they're under conviction and they need to come home to you, if there's somebody here today that needs to give their life as a missionary or a minister, God, whatever you want to do, Lord, you are with us. So help us to respond to your leadership now. In Jesus' name I pray.